Hi, friends. Welcome to Season 2 of Bar of the Conference. I'm your host, Derek Scott III. Today's episode is with Christine Flick. Christine is the conference lay leader in the Germany South Annual Conference. She lives near Stuttgart, Germany, where in addition to working locally, she has also served on various boards and committees at multiple levels of the church. Christine is a delegate to General Conference in 2024. Christine speaks with a clarity about her desire for us to be a church that listens to each other and honors the unique challenges within our regional context. In many ways, her journey into United Methodism mirrors that of some of us in the US. At the same time, it was so helpful to hear her perspective of where we are in the UMC story. I think there are lessons in this episode for all of us who truly want to do the work of Holy Conferencing. You're definitely gonna need that notebook. And a choice beverage will probably be good too. So let's listen to this really informative episode with Christine Flick. Christine, I'm so grateful that you're willing to join me um, on the podcast. And I'm really excited just to hear your story and also to just get a little bit of a glimpse of um, your experience in United Methodism uh, that's located in Germany and Western Europe more broadly a little bit. So um, you'll be the first um, Western European that I've been able to have on the podcast up to this point. I'm ashamed to say that it's, you're the first one because I've been doing this for a year. Like, but I'm really grateful that it's you because I'm just, uh, you've done so much great work over the years and and we've been able to connect in some work mm-hmm. leading up to general conference as well. So I usually ask my guests to start at the beginning, how uh, they became United Methodist. So I ask you, Christine, how, uh, how has God's provenient grace worked in your life to bring you into our church? I grew up as a method in the Methodist church in the south of Germany. Uh, my parents uh, came, uh, came to the United Methodist Church and I visited Sunday school, the youth services, all these things. I got my confirmation and I uh, became a member uh, in, at the age of 14 in the same church. Wow. And can you talk me through a little bit of that? Because I, you know, I hear you say confirmation. Um, what is that? What does that process look like? Is, and, and hopefully that looks similar to what we do here in the states. But I'm just—I don't want to assume that. What What does confirmation look like uh, in the German context? Oh, it's um, education in Christian, uh, Christian education, two years uh, in the age of 12, 13, and the end is a worship service uh, with a blessing. Gotcha. Really cool. Yeah. So you've you joined our church at fourteen, and I just kind of want to go down that journey a little bit um, <laughs> of how 
14 year old Christine eventually becomes <laughs> deeply engaged as a layperson in the United Methodist Church. So maybe just keep me keep me going a little bit um, after you joined the church at 14. As I said, I, I visited all the groups in the church in, uh, it was in Reutlingen, where also is uh, our uh, theological school is located. Um, but as I finished school and visited university, I moved to another city. I, um, uh, I met my husband. And um, the family of my husband, uh, they the, didn't uh, visit churches. And these are the years, I think, from 17, 18 to um, 25. During my studies, I seldom saw, uh, visited a church. Yeah. I was, uh, I was very in a great distance from churches. Mm -hmm. And uh, only on uh, Christmas. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was important mm -hmm. for me. And uh, I never stopped visiting a worship service on Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Um, and as my first son was born, I was 27. I wanted that he learns, uh, he goes to a church he learns more about Jesus, about God. And uh, there we, we, we lived here, where I live today, in the, nearby Stuttgart. And there was a Methodist church. And for me, it always was the Methodist church. It's interesting, mm. but it always was the Methodist church I uh, I felt uh, belonging to, mm. and uh, as Tobias is his name, as he was born, I got in contact with the pastor of the church here. Uh, and that was the starting point for us as family. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And uh, I took also a, a very long time off from my job as Tobias was born. And during these years, my pastor in this local church asked me to join some boards in our circuit. Mm. I had time and I wanted to do something besides family. And I love to engage for meaningful services in which I can help shaping something. I ever loved this and I love it today. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and that was my starting point in the um, ministry of the church. Some years later, I was elected lay delegate uh, to our annual conference and in the future things happen. I think you know uh, how it would, wouldn't go uh, very different in the US. Step by step, you come from annual conference to central conference or jurisdiction in your mm -hmm. case and general conference services. It yeah. was a very fruitful and important way for me and it was also a very important experience and there were a lot of things i learned wow. especially the service in the general conference and its commissions widened my thinking and my being 
I got a little insight how people in other cultures and countries in the world live and how they practice their faith. Sometimes there were ways I never would do it. <laughs> but for the special person, it was the exactly right way. I saw this and I experienced just in the very beginning in my conference and in its boards that we can talk about everything we could. We could have different views on the same thing, but we could talk about them in a cherishing way. And there was at every time a serious wish to find a common way or result. It was different to what I knew from society or work. There it was more about winners and losers, but not at church. It was that was very helpful and very fruitful for me and my personal development. Yeah. Oh man. Christine, I'm I'm curious, um, because you're a lay person. Yes. And your involvement in in not just the life of a local church, but in our institution mm -hmm. um, probably feels different than you know it does for clergy. What is what is the role of laity in the United Methodist Church in Germany? Are you are you in a company of a lot of folks, or are you sort of an anomaly um, amongst clergy? in that space? I'm in the annual conference since 1999. It's mm. a long time. Yeah. And therefore, sometimes the borders between clergy and lay mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. are not re uh, really. Uh, I know a lot of people on, on both sides, but um, clergy and lay people change over the years. Mm -hmm. And uh, therefore, I think I know more clergy people than lay people. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I, my way through our conference, uh, I, I visited, I served in, in several boards. I think uh, all, all of what we, not all, but almost all of what we do in the church, I uh, served for uh, a certain time. Mm -hmm. And therefore, um, I'm very well known in the church mm -hmm. and I know the church very well. The role of laity, um, and that's important for me, um, is to give um, the people in the local church a voice. To yeah. be that part um, people who um, work in other com communi in communities, in, in industry, outside the church, who have um, other contacts than clergy mm -hmm. in another way. And um, they need to have a voice in the church because we as a church need to know what people in society and outside church need and think and yes, where are mm -hmm. the needs? Mm -hmm. yeah. And what do they want? Not only the needs, but what do they want? Yeah. Also. As a 
conference lay leader as well um, that resonates with me. Um, and and also the sometimes that line where a lay person and a clergy person <laughs> kind of depart, like it kind of gets blurry sometimes. Uh, I really appreciate all of that. Could you tell us a little bit more about the uniqueness of United Methodism in Germany? Um, and maybe based on your experiences, you, you've already talked about some of the diversities within our worldwide connection. Um, how United Methodism in Germany may look a little different from United Methodism in some other spaces. In Germany, especially, um, Germany is the country of reformation. Mm. And therefore, um, in Germany, we have two large churches, the Lutheran and the Catholic Church. Mm. And both of them are state churches. We are very small as uh, Methodists. Uh, the Methodism in uh, Germany I came to Germany in the middle of the 19th century and it came from both sides, from Great Britain and from the US. Mm. Um, in the, it, it wasn't, the Methodists were not welcomed mm. by the uh, Lutherans and the Catholics. Not, they were also net, not welcomed by the Lutherans because uh, they were seen as invaders and troublemakers. <laughs> yeah? At the end of the 19th century, the Wesleyan Methodists of Great Britain and the Episcopal Methodists united to the Methodist Church in Germany. And later on, they were also joined by the United Brethren. Mm -hmm. uh, and up to now, um, there's always the large church of Lutheran church in Germany. And we are a very small church. But um, in the meantime, we are very well recognized church. And there are a lot of corporations with both large churches, and a very good ecumenical uh, collaboration all mm. over the Christian denominations, all over them. And yeah. um, at the same time, the Lutheran and the Catholics are state churches, and most of the people, if they baptize their children, do this in one of these two churches. That's uh, a sort of tradition. Mm. Um, the family is Catholic, and then the child is born, uh, will be baptized by, uh, Catholic. Mm -hmm. And then they are members of these churches. To become a United Methodist, you need a creed. You have to confess. And mm. that's a bigger hurdle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah? But even um, things change. And uh, even in the big churches, people only stay in if they are at home in their church and if they can identify themselves with what the church is saying and doing. That's a challenge also for us as a little church, but um, there's always the challenge uh, to be seen as a little church, as mm. a small church. Yeah? Mm. Our great opportunity, on the other hand, is our smallness. Mm -hmm. 
because we are familiar and people like this. We know each other and we care for each other. We, we are not uh, many thousand people in a church. We are 50. <laughs> yeah? And people like this and they feel at home. That's our great opportunity. I think that is so helpful. Do you happen to know how many United Methodists are in Germany, like approximately? In Germany and whole Germany, about 30,000 members. 30,000 members. And so that's a small denomination, small church in the context of Germany. But do I have it correct that in Western Europe, the German United Methodist Church is one of the larger parts of yeah. the Western Europe connection? Yeah. Uh, 30,000 are the members. Uh, if you mm -hmm. um, count all the people who um, come to United Methodist Church or who belong in a uh, way to uh, the United Methodist Church, then we are in Germany 70,000. Mm. And if you take this um, level um, in the Central Conference of uh, South and Eastern Europe, no, uh, no, of Middle and South Europe, that's mm -hmm. the other. Um, there are 30,000 participants. Mm. And in uh, and then we have the third central conference, that's Northern Europe and Eurasia. Mm -hmm. But only uh, Northern Europe um, belongs to Western Europe, Eurasia is Eastern Europe. <laughs> right, right. Um, the Nordic and Baltic area, that's um, Northern uh, Europe, and there are 24,000 participants. In Eurasia, another 5,000. Mm. But the great challenge in Western Europe, um, we are not many people, but the whole region covers 33 countries and 10 time zones. Mm. And a lot of languages. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Central Conference of South, uh, Middle and South Europe um, covers 13 countries and 20 languages. Mm. And um, the North, Nordic and Baltic area also are nine countries and 11 languages. Germany is, um, I don't know why. I think it's um, because we were divided after the Second World War. But uh, we are the only region in Europe uh, where the Central Conference uh, is the same as the country. And we only have one language. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This, and this, is, this question is definitely going to be based on sort of where you sit um, and your perspective for sure. But does Germany have a lot of influence in United Methodism across the European conferences? Or is Germany just one more person kind of at the table, one more voice at the table um, due to its size in comparison to the others? Mm, as I... Uh, see it, we are one voice at the, at, at the table. Uh, 
There's a very good collaboration um, between the bishops in uh, in Europe. Also in our church council, we have um, online uh, the bishops of, of the other central conferences for uh, for some time with us. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a very the last years. Uh, I have to say I'm in a general conference since 2008, mm. and in the beginning uh, of this time. Um, the collaboration was not so big. We just met prior to General Conference 208 as European delegates in Kiev mm -hmm. to prepare. Um, but that that was all. Uh, the, uh, there's the European Methodist Council, but there are a few persons who uh, visit the European Methodist Council every four years. Um, uh, but in the last years, uh, as we had so much trouble in our worldwide church, the Europeans um, came nearer. Mm. And there's a very good collaboration between uh, the bishops and also between um, us as um, general conference delegates. Yeah. Sometimes we meet in another context and now we know one another mm -hmm. <laughs> yes yeah uh, and i think there is nobody has a leading role mm. we are all uh, members on the at the same table it's beautiful christine i know that you've encountered many united methodists from the states uh maybe even more than you've wanted to um possibly but you know, we, um, I'll just speak for myself. Uh, there are many things that I don't know about our worldwide connection. And when I step into a room with the United Methodists who are not from the United States, there's always some things that like they teach me. And I'm just curious, um, when you've encountered U.S. United Methodists, are there things that you're like, gosh, I wish you understood this about my context. I wish you understood this piece, this uh, environment, uh, this way of seeing the world. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, we struggle the most with um, US-centric issues at General Conference. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the time we don't understand everything. Mm. And uh, it's not for us as we don't understand why we have to uh, vote on things uh, that don't belong to us. Yeah. On the other hand, um, in Germany, but that's also a special role um, in uh, Europe. It's not in all parts of Europe the case. We are very independent. We mm. also are financial independent. And we, uh, um, 
design our church, we live in our church. We don't need to ask anybody. We translate the BOD. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, we also have the, rec uh, the right of adaptation. Mm -hmm. And we have the context of the two large churches. And we have to apply to um, legal contexts. And therefore, it's not, um, we are not, we, we don't depend on the US. Mm -hmm. And therefore, the question, oh, I wish um, you would see how we have to work, is not, um, is not in the foreground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, on the other hand, um, I, sometimes I think uh, it would be very helpful. Uh, people are in the US would know more about the li life in the central conferences because mm -hmm. it's so different. <laughs> I didn't know this uh, prior to my uh, engagement in general conference. But now I'm uh, since 2008. I'm also a member of the of the standing committee of Central Conference Matters, and uh, mm -hmm. we visited several times conferences in Africa. We have been to the Philippines, and it's different. It's completely different, uh, and uh, that would be helpful for all of the delegates. It was mm -hmm. for me. It was very important. Mm -hmm. And I think it would be for everybody, is, it is very important to see the others. Yeah, yeah. And I, the, the church in Africa is growing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think we have the same problems in Germany or in Western Europe as you have in the US. Church uh, doesn't interest the people. We, there's a lack of relevance. That's not the case in uh, in Africa. And sometimes people here uh, at my home, they say, why can we do it like the Africans? Hmm. And we can't do it because we have another completely other culture. Yeah. We can't copy anything. We can't copy the American way of life and, and way of church life in Europe and we can't uh, copy the African and you can't copy ours. We all have to find our own way to the people in our context. And so, therefore we, we need to know them. We need to know the, the life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christine, can you tell me a little bit about those experiences that you've had? Um, particularly in your role being on the standing committee on Central Conference Matters, some of those uh, experiences uh, across our worldwide connection, some of the ones that kind of stay with you. That's the beginning is uh, the worship service, uh, the way that in Africa and in, in also, Africa is not Africa. There are also different regions and, and different cultures. Right, right. Uh, 
uh, Germany is not Germany. <laughs> Our three annual conferences are completely, completely different. Um, but the way uh, they um, of their worship services are completely different to ours. They're much longer. Uh, there is they are much more vital. Uh, more singing. It it depends to their culture. It it, it fits their culture. Uh, people have a, a a very hard life in comparison to us. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. We live very very comfortable. If you see we how people live in Africa and also in the Philippines, mm -hmm. and they say we are fine. Yeah. Uh, the giving is very different. If I see that in, uh, in a, I experienced this in an African, uh, it was in Zimbabwe, I think, um, worship. There, there was the preaching was about uh, the 10% giving. And people came and brought 10% of things they had the week one uh, one member told us uh, this week I made uh, some apple butter I uh, made 10 glasses and here's one of them you don't see such things in Germany never yeah well, and and you don't really see that in the states either not mm -hmm. in, not in that way um, mm -hmm. wow. Well. Has your appreciation for the worldwide connection increased because you've been exposed to these different ways of being United Methodists across the planet? Yes, of course. Uh, I started to understand why a worldwide connection uh, is a good thing. And we always have to discuss this. Uh, in Germany, because as I told, we are relatively independent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially uh, the times around about uh, 2019 and all the issues about homosexuality, there were a lot of people who said, we wouldn't have this discussion at home. Why do we, uh, why? We only have uh, have the discussion uh, because of a worldwide church. Do we need this? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and for me, the first time I went to general conference in two thousand eight, I didn't understand anything. <laughs> it hmm. was completely new for me. At home, there were lay people who told me, "Oh, that's nice, you." Uh, you are able to visit the US. <laughs> uh, I can't imagine imagine the hard work I have to do. Mm -hmm. And over the years, and the first meeting of the Standing Committee on Central Conference Matters we had in Nashville, the second meeting we had in Kinshasa. Mm. And it was a completely other atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, 
uh, you could feel that the Africans felt at home and not as strangers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, the discussion was more openly. Wow. And um, one problem all of the Central Conference delegates have is uh, really translation. <laughs> yeah. Especially the Africans. Mm -hmm. um, they speak very different languages. Mm -hmm. uh, in the first time at General Conference, I took German translation. And uh, it was not very, very good. All the, the church-specific um, words mm -hmm. uh, were not very good, well-known by the translators. Uh, and I don't have a problem in understanding English. I only have uh, a limited <laughs> vocabulary. Mm. Um, but it is a great difference for all the Africans. And we have uh, big churches in Africa. We have a lot of delegates. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not possible uh, that they all uh, are so educated in English to follow um, the procedures and therefore they have the translation that's okay but it strengthens a lot yeah even with translation mm -hmm. and uh, every translation is also interpretation that is so true um gosh what a thought why don't we take a quick break Christine, I uh, often ask my guests uh, if they were in the room for the special session of General Conference in February of 2019. Um, I imagine that you were there for the special session, yeah? Yeah. I never forget this. <laughs> mm. What was that like for you? It was... Uh, uh, it was an experience which I wouldn't choose to have. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was awful. We uh, experienced, and uh, I think at this point I can speak for the Germans. Mm. We experienced um, the special session um, as uh, fighting. Mm not as uh, discussing and well, uh, valuing the different um, thinkings, but as a fighting. Uh, and there was no holy conferencing. Mm. Yeah. And we were very sad as the uh, traditional plan passes. We, were we also were shocked. <laughs> we couldn't imagine um, that this is really true because in Germany um, there were, is no way we would insist and actively examine in the sexual life of our ministers, ministers or other people. No way. Hmm. Even conservative people in Germany wouldn't do so. Hmm. 
And we don't want to direct people how to practice their faith or tell them how they have to believe. Hmm. And that was the, the core uh, of the traditional plan. Yeah. Yeah. And therefore it was, um, yeah, it was re relatively clear. We were, it, it was, I can't, um, after general conference 2019, I stayed for some days in, in the US. I had some days off, my sons uh, came and we uh, spent a week in Florida. Mm. And I had, um, yes, I celebrated my 60th birthday at the 2019 uh, <laughs> No, <laughs> oh no, Christine, no. <laughs> oh. This was, <laughs> afterwards, this was the birthday party in Florida. Um, mm. And I had some days, I um, took the plane from um, St. Louis to Orlando. Mm -hmm. and uh, had some days for my own in Florida until my sons arrived the Saturday afterwards. I, I needed these days to come down, to uh, catch myself again. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a, a, another world I was in. Mm. I never had imagined that a, a, a church conference can handle things in the ways the 2019 general conference did this wow and there were and, and several places in uh, in the um, plan, uh, plenary there were people who cried yeah and uh, yes therefore because i spent some days in here in the us uh, afterwards I uh, missed the church council in Germany, uh, which met uh, a week after general conference, mm. was the regular meeting of the church council. Mm -hmm. And the people in the church council decided anonymously not to apply to the traditional plan, even the conservatives. And I uh, remember this very clear. I. Uh, read it in the news and I was so thankful mm. <laughs> of the people in my church. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of uh, some critics about this decision because also in Germany there were people who said, uh, how can these few people in the church council make such a decision for the whole central conference? But in the end, it was uh, the absolutely right way uh, because it took us to the round table. Uh, and uh, at the round table, there, there were very different participants out of the whole church in Germany. And it was a hard way. And thanks to our bishop that he never gave up, <laughs> but it was um, a fruitful way for all. And this was the, the opportunity for us to solve the questions around um, homosexuality or human sexuality uh, in our context. Mm. Mm. 
imagined it uh, at the beginning of this year. We had a meeting in Germany, uh, the Standing Committee on Central Conference Matters. And in Germany, all the issues um, around uh, human sexuality are no longer on the top in the topics. And at this meeting of the Standing Committee, I learned that we can't forget them, <laughs> that they are in the topics, and that in other parts of the world, there are heavy discussions, very mm. uh, hard discussions, even in the US. Yeah. And for us in Germany, um, we had found our way. Mm. Was it in Germany that sort of a, a plan to stay together in the midst of different sort of was was mm -hmm. um, yes that's the way yeah yeah we uh, um built an, another group a group found themselves with all the conservative thinking people hmm. but they stay in uh, in the church mm -hmm. they belong to the annual conferences to the central conference um but all the people who think conservative in this, but I think not only in, in, in these issues, um, meet, can meet people, they have a meeting, they have events uh, mm -hmm. all over the country. Uh, they can uh, connect with people who are, who think as themselves, who believe as themselves. And at the same way, they stay in your ch local churches where mm -hmm. they live. Because also there are connections. Yeah. Yeah. Over the years, um, there are relationships with other people who think in, a, in another way. But this was the, the round table and uh, the following, um, it's named Gemeinschaftsbund, mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, uh, is the way we can stay together. Yeah. And everybody has um, a form who can uh, they he can feel at home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Christine, if I'm understanding you correctly, in the German Central Conference, you all have figured out how conservatives and progressives and everybody in the middle and all over can be a part of the same church with their diverse views on many things. Do I have that right? Yeah, you have this right, because the core values of our uh, Christianity uh, is not human sexuality. Mm. It's Jesus. And we are yeah. unified in the core values is Jesus and its resurrection. Mm -hmm. And there we are unified. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. So over the last few years, um, you know, we had the, the protocol and then the global pandemic, the launch of the GMC and, and, we're experiencing 
um, you know, thousands of disaffiliations here in the U.S. Is it, you know, Germany's doing fine and just kind of looking at the U.S. like, what are y'all doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, how the last few years been in German United Methodism um, in light of these significant points along the journey? The pandemic was a serious break for all of us, I think. Uh, and perhaps we lost a little bit the trail where the others are. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Because we can't met. Uh, it will be the first time in December when I go to the uh, com uh, no? Commission and General Conference. Um, that's the first time uh, I, I fly to the US since 2019. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yeah, as I experienced, I was a little bit astonished in, in at the beginning of the year as we met in uh, Germany to hear that the, the same issues have this high priority and have also um, are also good to divide us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, my hope was it could a little bit be um, less less disturbing, even as that um, Global Methodist Church uh, was founded. On the one hand, uh, I can't imagine why it couldn't be um, possible to stay together and to have different practices in a global church. Uh, on the other hand, um, I hoped that there will be some freedom if people who can't live when other people think in another way, leave the church. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I suppose that there maybe there are some questions we have to solve <laughs> before this will be uh, freedom in the church. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Therefore, the protocol has, would have been a, a solution, mm. maybe, mm -hmm. uh, but there was the pandemic. Now we have uh, the petitions on re uh, region regionalization, mm -hmm. and I'm very glad we have them because in February we said we need something like the protocol um a unique proposal we can talk about and not 10 different i hope we can pass the regionalization <laughs> because i think it's the only way uh, the only way we can live as a global church
Yeah. We are so different in the uh, in the different parts of our church. Uh, the circumstances, the challenges, the situations and the cultures are so different. There are a lot of things you can't do everywhere in the same way. You must be able to apply to, apply to the local context for the sake of mission and ministry. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You have to reach out to the people at home, not uh, in the Congo. I have to reach out to the people in Germany, mm -hmm. not in Atlanta and Jacksonville, in uh, yeah. uh, Kinshasa or in uh, Harare. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we do need to know our core values, which unite us to yeah. be one church. But exactly these core values we need to translate in the different contexts in a mm. way people can hear and understand and experience them. And these are different ways in the regions and cultures. The time is gone when most of the church was in the US. That's history. Mm. Mm. And I suppose copying US thinking or African thinking or European thinking in other regions was never a fruitful way. I, I would agree. Yeah. yeah. So, Christine, as we're getting closer to General Conference 2020 that will take place in April and May of 2024. <laughs> what do you think that time, that holy conferencing needs to be about? I think we need, in general conference, we need to build bridges and community. Hmm. We need to talk to one another, to understand one another, and to build the bridges that we can trust one another. Hmm. I know people who don't want to go to general conference 2024 or to general conference for another time anyway. <laughs> because yeah. of the experiences of 2019 okay. and the ongoing fights. Yeah. Uh, and we need healing in our conference hmm. across the denomination. We need constructive discussions, freedom of thinking to value one another and the being of one another. Mm -hmm. And we need to build trust in one another. And sometimes I ask myself, where, at which place, when not in the church, we can build trust and live in the trust in one another. I think that's the example we have to give to the world outside the church. Absolutely. Christine, do you have hope for the United Methodist Church? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm a Christian. Uh, yes. <laughs> hope is the last thing that dies. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, my hope is we succeed in a respectful and valuable, valuable handling of all our issues. Mm -hmm. We will see what comes next. Yeah. 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 And that we are able to focus on the challenges we experience in the different regions mm -hmm. for the sake of the people we are commissioned to. And I hope we are able to assist one another in doing so, in doing it the way you need it in the special region. Mm -hmm. By using the gifts we are blessed with. Christine Flick, I am uh, so grateful for your leadership for your journey, um, your example as a lay leader, um, and all that you have given um, to our church over the years. And I'm, I'm excited that uh, by God's grace, we'll be in the same room uh, in 2024. And, um, but I'm just grateful that you're one of the voices at the table um, helping us envision what's next for United Methodism Worldwide. So thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity, Derek. Awesome. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Bar of the Conference is produced by the team at Wesley's Revival, a ministry of Studio Wesley. Subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or Google platforms so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us and see you next time.